Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I have with me Steve Nobbs, who is head of Unregulated Mortgages, and Eleanor Glenn, who's the marketing manager, and they're both from the Loans Engine, who are a specialist finance broker based in Watford. Now, the loan Loans Engine, see, if anybody gets their tongue twisted in this episode, it's fine, because I've done it in the first kind of paragraph. So the Loans <laughs> Engine have been going since 2001. And they've actually grown to a team of 20 strong staff. And today we're going to talk about how the company generates their leads through introducers, how they can help brokers and what they've been doing to enhance their online presence. Because I saw a LinkedIn post, I think it was probably a couple of weeks ago now, where Eleanor was saying she'd been with the company for a year. So we're going to have a chat through that as well and, and how uh, Eleanor has been increasing the marketing for this company. So first of all, I'd like to welcome Steve and Eleanor onto the podcast. Chris. Thank you very much for having us. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Now, this is a podcast where I've got two guests. So if you're listening or you're watching on YouTube, you'll find we're going to bounce the questions between um, Steve and Eleanor. And they've obviously got very different skill sets in the company. So it will be interesting to see from a marketing point of view, but also the day to day running of the business. And I'm sure the listeners are going to get loads of value from it. So before we get into everything, We'd like to get a bit of a background to who you guys are, what you guys do. So we'll go with um, yourself, Steve, first. Give us a bit of a background of how you've got to this point where you are today. It's, it's a weird journey. I, I, I have to say, okay. I, 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 I fell into I fell into um, finance, to say the least. So okay. started in finance probably, was it 2003? So I've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, previously that, I used to manage Halfords. <laughs> so I used to do oh, really? uh, yeah, a few few different sites around the southeast and, and used to manage that. But um I was actually living with um, my flatmate at the time. Um he got a job at a specialist broker, came back one day and just said to me, How would you fancy becoming? I think it was I think the position the initial position was an underwriter. And I said, Yeah, I don't know anything about underwriting or loans. He said, Don't worry, nor did I. Um I asked what what was uh, what what would it meant? What do you get paid? And that pricked my ears straight away. So I said, "All right, I'll give it a go." Compared with yeah. where I was with Halfords, um, I don't know if I can mention brand names, but there you oh, go. he's fine. Yeah. So you <laughs> went from like 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 oily, like changing tires and yeah. stuff, to working yeah. on a computer. Soft soft hands after that. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> I was never good at changing uh, inner tubes and things anyway. So it's probably the wrong <laughs> career move to start with. But yeah, no, I went for an interview. Um, Back in 2003, it was quite well, it was very buoyant. It was a, the company was growing quickly, mm. um, successful interview, and lo and behold, stayed within it for the next 20 odd years and probably until I retire, to be fair. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it just by pure chance, yeah, pure, well, not pure chance, but you, your flatmate was, was yeah, doing it. I thought I'd give it a go, listen to what, listen to what involved, thought I could probably do this, and yeah, haven't looked back since. So, so when did you join the loans engine then? So you were there to then three. Yeah, so I joined, so it was uh, five years in July, I moved over from that. Okay. Um, so after I was at the initial, um, it was a secured loan broker based in Watford. Mm -hmm. um, they were actually bought by a big corporate credit card company. 
uh, and like everything that happened in 2008, <laughs> it didn't really work Bumbled out. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they uh, actually closed the business in full. But the, the, good, the nice thing was, because it was a, a big credit card company, they still had um, affiliate partners. Mm-hmm. So I was actually seconded to another firm that was based in, in Welling Garden City at the time to start up. A, it was an unsecured branch of, of um, well, not branch, but an unsecured team where we're looking at doing a lot of unsecured finance to see us through the, the 2008 crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really well there. I was there for probably six years heading up so I was sales and business development manager there mm-hmm. um moved over from there thought it'd be good to start up something myself so joined forces with a couple of others in the industry set up a, a mortgage brokerage but with more more of the vanilla stuff so previously to that I've done a lot of specialist finance so it's the, the second charge stuff the, the the commercial bridging Started doing them more on the on the more vanilla, mm-hmm. and yeah, I wanted to wanted to get back back into the you kind of you knew the specialist market. Yeah, you wanted to get back into so, that, yeah. So really worked really well three years, but uh, then was uh, approached by uh, the loans engine see if I wanted to come over here and greed, and here I am six years. And on, that takes you <laughs> takes you to today, where yeah. up until about twenty minutes ago, you were dressed as a pumpkin. You talk that us through absolutely that, right? <laughs> Love this. Yeah. This is how the podcast rolls. We just go serious yeah. and then talk about yeah. dressing as pumpkins. So, yeah. So I thought at the beginning of the month, I, I set my team some quite quite uh, challenging um, targets. And I thought, okay, it would be good if they hit them, but they, they, they're quite challenging. And I said the incentive was that if they did, then on Halloween, I'd come dressed in a pumpkin. And lo and behold, they achieved them, exceeded them. So for most of the day, hence hence the hair, <laughs> uh, I've been walking around like a pumpkin. And I'm sure Ellen's going to post it on LinkedIn anyway, so everyone's going to be able to see yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Ellen, Eleanor's obviously heads up the marketing. That's exactly what Eleanor will be doing. And sending me the photo for the podcast thumbnail. So <laughs> that's all good. No, that's that's a really good insight into And it just shows you you tried to go down the, you say vanilla mortgages, your resi, your buy-to-let normal yeah. stuff, but went back into the, the specialist. And we'll talk about the market shortly because we were having a great chat about the market before we started recording. So we'll get back to that. But before we get into that, Eleanor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Can yeah. you give us a bit of a background as to what you do? Because it's, I'll be honest, from, from the outside in looking at these companies, it's quite rare that companies will hire a dedicated marketing manager. Um, and that's exactly what you do. And you can see that it's obviously very effective. But give us a bit of a background as to who you are, what you've done and what you do within the company now. Yeah, so I joined at quite a difficult time. It was right in the middle of COVID. Um, so mm-hmm. remote working was the norm. Right, yeah. Just graduated from university. So it was a bit of an odd time coming in, trying to find a job. I didn't really see myself necessarily in finance quite similar to Steve you know he sort of just fell into it um I knew that I was very passionate about marketing you know I did a degree at university studying for it so I knew I definitely wanted to go into an in-house role so that I could try a variety right. of different things rather than sort of you know with some marketing roles you'll just be email marketing and that's your sole thing and you get right. really really good at it I knew that I very much wanted to do a variety of different things to find my niche. So Mm -hmm. that was the type of role that I was looking for. 
and I found the job at the loans engine um, I joined wasn't really expecting finance to be an area that I was going to stay in forever but yeah. I absolutely love it and with oh, Karen, I couldn't actually see myself in another industry to be honest I feel like I've really found you know the career path that I want to be in you know for the rest of my life <laughs> Steve's like thank final. god for that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so um yeah so I've really loved my time here I started as a digital marketing executive but at the time we had used marketing agencies sort of prior to me joining so we had an agency who helped out with email marketing and a couple of things like that but before I joined we didn't have any social media presence or anything so I started all of our LinkedIn Twitter Facebook Instagram and this year now TikTok as well which is oh, a very okay, big platform right. at the moment so I've built all of those platforms and then I've just been, you know, working on creating content, trying to get followers, trying to get more engagement. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of my role has been focused on the website as well. So sort of search engine optimization, trying to create new content in the form of blogs and product pages to rank for new keywords to obviously mm -hmm. generate business. So a lot of what I do do is sort of digital marketing mainly. It's not as much you know postal marketing or things like that mm -hmm. so yeah but I've built up a lot of these things over time and um about a year ago I was promoted to marketing manager and then I've got an executive now who helps me out with all of the marketing activities oh, fab. So we've got and we'll get into that now. a bit as well yeah you've got you've started to actually build build a team and I suppose that would be to you Steve when when did you realize you needed somebody like that in-house when it comes to social media, right. <laughs> I'm an absolute, I'm an absolute dinosaur. I'm literally, I've got a, I've got a Facebook page. Don't use it. Occasionally look at TikTok. Um, just don't. Even before, probably even before, even though I've had a LinkedIn account since whenever it started, whenever mm -hmm. that was, never really used it. Never really posted on it. Didn't really go on there to to do much at all with it. Um, but I soon realised that actually, especially where we're trying to develop the relationships with new introducers and things like that, that you have to get your presence known, you have to get your brand out there. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, I, I have to say, it all goes down to Elena for, for convincing me well, that is the way to go. And it's it's paid off dividends, that's for sure. Because sure. it is so hard, isn't it? When you're, you're running your advisor, Steve, you're running the business, the last thing you're thinking about is, oh, I've got to do a photo on LinkedIn about me dressed as a pumpkin. And I know that sounds really... <laughs> Silly and <laughs> trivial, but that really shows your human side, didn't it? That's the last thing on your mind. So yep. it does need <clears> – <throat> you're very good at what you do, Steve, and you're very good at what you do, Eleanor. Neither to say you could do each other's jobs, you could, but not to the same level. So it's always good to have specialists in those areas, isn't it? And we'll get into the marketing side because obviously it really interests me. But <clears throat> before we get into that, <clears throat> I want to talk about what the market is like at the moment from uh, the loans engine point of view. So – Tell me, what is the market like today, Steve, compared to 12 months, 24 months ago? And what trends are you seeing in the market that's happening at the moment? Obviously, since the mini budget, it's affected it. It's affected everybody within the market. But I suppose being in the specialist market gives us more resilience to it. Um, I was explaining before we, we came on, we've seen a huge uplift in, in landlords looking to, to diversify their portfolio. Right. Where, the, where your traditional AST um, 
ready to let properties uh, uh, just doesn't the business model isn't generating the yields that it used to 12 18 months mm -hmm. ago so we've seen a lot of a lot of uh, landlords moving into uh, airbnb is a big one still um hmos purpose-built student yeah. lets um semi-commercial properties where they're moving away so they get the comfort of having their they've got the ast income from the it might be a flat above but they're generating mm -hmm. a decent yield from the from the commercial as well so so we've we, we obviously rates have gone up over the time and, and we, as i said we, no one's immune to that but it means yeah. that we've seen a lot more people coming into the market um just 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 to, so they can say stay within it so they still can make money from it yeah. still become land still be landlords and everything else but different different ways of doing it um the other thing we're seeing a lot more of is is um landlords coming in to buy uh using bridging loans to purchase buy to let um oh, okay on on the basis that i suppose they're hedging their bets because at the moment they're thinking we don't know what the market's gonna do we don't know where it's at all right there's some green shoes but we don't we don't know the yields aren't where they necessarily were. Mm -hmm. So they were instead of buying that ready to go, ready to let, buy to let, they're going and buying something that needs work on the mm -hmm. basis that they can never got a choice then. They can either take, they can either sell it on, pull out the capital growth, or flip it if it, if they, it gets to where they're comfortable where it is in the market, uh... flip it to a buy to let. But it's just giving them giving them two options rather than going in and going getting a tying themselves into a longer-term buy to let. And That's so, what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, it saves them tying into a, a two-year fixed or something where they're stuck with it, aren't they? The bridging allows them to be a lot more lot more flexible. Agile, and, basically. Yeah, more I suppose agile, landlords, have had, landlords have had the run of the mill, really, for the last five years because the yields have been fantastic and now there's a bit of friction. It's the good landlords are looking at different ways or selling up and maybe investing in, in commercial. One thing we spoke about before we started recording again was... Um, there's a big push at the moment to try and turn some of the high street back into properties. And is that why landlords are buying that semi-commercial? Because if that shop doesn't rent, can they turn it into flat, uh, a house? But you're saying that it's been going on for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, we've seen quite a lot of it. I mean, they relaxed they relaxed planning laws. I, I can't remember when, but they, they relaxed planning laws, which means a lot of that work now can be done as permitted development. Mm -hmm. So rather than going into full planning. Uh, and what we've seen is uh, we, we we term them winter jobs. So what you'll find is you've got you've got your developers that will do ground up during the summer, and, okay. and doing building building units, flats, whatever it may be in the summer. But then looking at during the winter, then go in and buy these semi uh, commercial semi commercial units that they can then build up on. It's all all enclosed. Uh, obviously, it's not affected by the weather, so it gives them a good good seasonal projects that that, that, that keeps them moving. Um, mm, and we definitely, and we've definitely seen more uh, developers coming back to market at the moment. I mean, the uptick over the last couple of months, but October has been really big for it. Is a number of mm. development inquiries we're seeing, whether it is the ground up development or whether it's the the heavy refurbishment stuff. So, um, so there's obviously loads of success stories in there. There's loads of ways that you help different people. I'm going to speak about how you can help brokers, but. Obviously, all those success stories, and I know you guys do this, but is it good for you? I suppose you two speak, and Eleanor, you go and then push those success stories out in the marketing plan. And this is where sometimes brokers are really busy, 
where but they've got so many good stories. We got somebody bridging loan, and they've said somebody else said no. We've helped them refurbish this, but then they haven't got the time to then do what Eleanor does, which is go and shout about it. So how do you shout about the successes of what of what Steve spoke about there? Yeah, so we have weekly emails that go out to all of our brokers, um, and we normally oh, okay. send an email every Tuesday and every Thursday morning. And we've always found that case studies in particular, they they do work really well because, you know, obviously if a broker can see a case actually there, they might be able to relate to it a lot better than if we just said, oh, you know, we could go up to 100% LTV or 80% LTV. If they've got a case there, they can relate to it so much better. So one of the ways that I do do it is in our e-shots. Um, and we send them out, as I said, every Tuesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. But we also post it in our product guides as well. So we host those on our website and we go into sort of specific areas. So, for example, one of them is adverse credit. And I'll get lots of different case studies from Paul Zamet, who's our regulated mortgages director. He's more on the second charge side. He'll send over case studies that I'll then use in the product guides. And then if brokers, if they come to our training sessions, which Paul and Steve have been running at the moment, they might ask for the product guide so that they can obviously see the case studies, okay. see the criteria. So that's another way that we shout about it. And also on LinkedIn, you might have seen, we often do case studies on there just to get the message out there that these are the areas we can specifically assist with. That's I thought you were going to talk about social media. But talking about the email marketing, that's such a clever way because just landing in their inbox, because we don't look, we all skim read emails. So if there yeah. was part of the email that said, yep, yeah, we do 100% LTV or 80%, whatever it might be, you might skim past that. Or as a case study that says Mr. Smith was able to secure this much for his development in South Watford, it completely puts a spin on it, doesn't it? It makes it much more inviting to read that email. Absolutely. So. You're getting sent all these case studies. I want to speak about the training as well in a minute because I didn't know you guys did that, so it'd be really interesting. But how often do you guys come together as a team to pull together your marketing efforts, or is it that everything's drip-fed to you, Eleanor, and you make content from whatever the guys give you? I think it's mainly, you know, we do speak every single week, so we have a lot of meetings with the senior management team and also Mm. with the advisors as well. For example, a couple of weeks ago, some of our advisors had been at a roadshow for a network um, and we all met and had a meeting and spoke about things that they were talking about with advisors, the merchandise that they were seeing there, ideas that, you know, we could talk about ourselves. So it's more when there's something really positive to shout about, we'll meet and, and we'll discuss it and we'll come up with a plan. So oh, we okay. wouldn't just talk about and any case study it's more case studies you know that we think brokers are really going to relate to and that would add value to them in knowing so mm-hmm. i would say we catch up every week but it's not that we would publish every case study that we have it's more yeah when there's something particularly successful so then what's next in terms of talking about these case studies is, is it video next of the broker talking about the case study what what does the video type of content steve's smiling here because he's going to get his uh his halloween <laughs> outfit back out for, uh, <laughs> videos <laughs> so with with regards to the training sessions that we run so that's obviously delivered by 
calling Steve. And mm-hmm. it's more, we just find that sometimes in the specialist market in particular, there is a bit of a lack of education about solutions for clients. And, you know, ultimately we're here to add value to our brokers because we're very invested in developing relationships. We don't want to just be very transactional where they give us a case and, and that's it. You know, we want to add value to them. So a lot of the focus we have in those sessions is around educating them, helping them to understand when a specialist finance product might be the right fit, mm-hmm. where they could go to to obviously get that because not not all brokers are comfortable or familiar with dealing on specialist finance cases. So often we'll use the success stories in video format over these webinars and training sessions so that's where we would use video in order to communicate that but i think doing the sessions himself is probably best place to answer (laughs) on the training yeah that that was going to be actually my next question perfect leading like how did you come up with the concept of the training and and what do you talk about yeah so we we from what we've seen historically with landlords diversifying so all our introducers will have landlords, or majority of interviews expect to have landlords that are thinking at different ways. So whether it is investing in a semi-commercial. Now, if you're a broker and, and, and you only specialise really in your traditional mortgages or traditional buy-to-lets, they need to have some form of outlet. And, and Eleanor hit it on the head. I mean, what we want to do is work with our brokers to retain retain their portfolio. Because if, mm-hmm. if they can't, if, if, if they, if a, client goes to a broker and says right I'm looking to buy this might have two or three buy to lets but I'm now looking to buy this commercial they turn around to the the client and says well we don't do commercial mm-hmm. without giving them an, an option all that client's going to do he's not going to change his opinion just because they can't help he's going to go online or he's going to go to another broker and, and then again, they'll help him with the commercial whereas if we can by using Zoom sessions and, and training, and we can educate the broker saying, actually, this is an option. We want to be an extension to your business. Mm-hmm. We work in partnership together. Then that's where that's where it grows value. Because then they'll come back. They'll have the commercial. They'll retain the client. Next time they get want to buy a normal buy to let or want to get a remortgage on their current residential property, they're coming back. Whereas if they if they let them go elsewhere and explore the market, there's a mm-hmm. risk that when that broker, the broker they're speaking to about the commercial. When the fact find finds out when when do your mortgage up for renewal? Oh, we see it tied in for another eighteen months. Okay, and that and that's where we, we're really trying to educate them is look for solutions. You don't have to be the master of what you're doing, but at least know where to go to help, whether us or any other specialist broker. But I think that's absolutely key, especially where the market is at the moment. The market's tough. Mm-hmm. Product transfers are taking uh, are slowing down. Remortgage people are going to remortgage at higher rates. I think. Where you're going to see is people are going to start holding holding nerve and just see what rates coming. And obviously, there's not going to be the business there for the broker. So it's really important that they have outlets for this specialist stuff, just for their own, I say survival, but just for their own income, revenue. They know where like it is. Use you as a tool rather than yeah. somebody in-house. It, it, it's using you guys as a tool that they don't have to, again, what we're talking about at the beginning, it's that specialist, having a specialist in that particular area. And, and making sure that you can outsource that to them. So when the training, how do you put the training out there? And the reason I ask the question is because I'm thinking from people that listen to this podcast, the majority are mortgage brokers. Mm-hmm. You're providing value to your audience, which are mortgage brokers. How could a mortgage broker provide value to their clients? 
um, through video format or through training. So how do you do the training? How do you come up with the topics? How do you put it out there? Talk me through what you do. So we, we do it in sessions. So we do an overview of, so a lot of it is opportunity spotting. So okay. the, the, the one we're running at the moment, we call it mastering specialist lending. And it's very much a high level of what is out there. So we, we cover each product, but we're not talking about, oh, and you can borrow, Elena says, 100% loan to value, or you can do, you can have four mortgages, whatever it is. It's very much a case of if a client for the second charges, for instance, if a client comes to you, want to further advance, but for instance, they can't raise enough or it's declined, then you've got an option, then, then a secured loan is an option. But some people, because it's not something they deal with day in, day out, don't think of that as an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, so it's very much education is opportunity spotting. If you have something, don't necessarily know straight away we can't help, explore other options. Right. Um, but then we've, then we've drilled it more down. So off the back of these martyring specialist lending um, stuff, there are uh, some of our introducers that want to know more about bridging finance. We're running a bridging clinic at the moment. Uh, right. and, and so they're very quite a niche. It, it, instead of you guys going, and this is what I love, instead of you guys going, come to us, come and use us, we're here, refer everything to us. It's, no, let's let's try and give you some value. Right, what is bridging finance? How does bridging finance help your clients? How could you spot an opportunity with uh, semi-commercial mortgages? You're actually adding value to your audience. Have you been doing this for long, or is this something new that came on board? How long? About 12 months, maybe? Yeah, so it initially started as we were doing them as one-to-one sessions mainly. So Uh, we wanted to have them a bit more personalised and tailored to the brokers. And so I would send out, again, emails or I would post on our LinkedIn profile, which is where most of our brokers sort of follow us and engage mm -hmm. with content. Um, We would post that out and they would sign up for an individual session with either Steve or Paul. Um, So we started delivering it just as one-to-ones. And then we found that because they were successful and we were getting a lot of demand, people were really interested in them. We decided to make them group sessions. So they were a bit larger, a bit more interactive. But then off of the back of those, we've then seen that actually people would like to drill in more to specific products, which is then we've launched, which is then why we've launched the clinics as well. So it's sort of, We've just evolved it over the last mm. 12 months, really. We've just had feedback from brokers and then we've adapted it, obviously, to suit people's needs and, and find the best solution for them, really. And this is, I think this is any company that's looking at marketing or doing any social media is we try and find that silver bullet at the beginning. We kind of think, what's the one post we could do? What's the one article we could write? What's the even thinking about second charge, what's the one product that can help someone? Because actually what you need to do is to put something out at the beginning and then learn from that. And it seems like you guys have done that with your with your clients to create the content that really speaks to your introducers or new introducers. Because that's the aim, isn't it? All of this content is an idea to try and gain more introducers. Yeah. That, that's the name of the game, isn't it? So going away from social media and going away from email marketing and everything, let's talk about the the print, the print press. So you recently got um, the Loans Engine put into a, well, uh, an industry newspaper magazine. Did you, how, how do you go about doing that, Eleanor? How do you get a company featured in those kind of articles? So I think 
It depends, really. There's a couple of different ways that you can do it. So the primary way that I look at it is press releases. So if we've got company news, so for example, recently we've just added four new bridging lenders in, into mm -hmm. our um, bridging lender panel. And obviously that's something that's really good. It's very, it's very positive. A lot of brokers would want to know about that because it means we have more solutions to help with their clients. Mm. So one way you can get in the industry press is by if you've got company news and you think people, you know, are going to want to know about it, just looking on their websites on, on sort of mortgage strategy, financial reporter, finding out who are the editors or, you know, the journalists, and then just reaching out to them over email and just saying, you know, I've got this really good press release. I think your audience would, you know, really want to know about this. And I think it could be quite good. Would you be interested in publishing it? The majority of the time they do they do publish it. They're always looking for ideas for, you know, industry press and things like that. Because mm -hmm. that's what their business is built off of, isn't it? You know, relevant news that their that brokers are going to want to read. So that's one way you can do it. Another way that you can do it is if you've got for example, commentary on a specific area of the market, then again, you can reach out to those same editors and journalists and say, actually, I've got an opinion on this specific area to do with second charge mortgages. And I think this could be really, really valuable. Would you be interested in, you know, us writing a piece about it and publishing it? So I think mm -hmm. it depends on what type of content you've got and, yeah. and go from there, really. But they're the two main areas that I, I focus on when I'm doing so it. good news stories or commentary on a particular a particular area yeah. so it's good because that can apply to any anybody in the financial services industry doesn't it it's yeah. anybody can put themselves put themselves out there so we've talked about the business how it's running we've talked about how you position yourselves online what kind of content do you guys put out there and I suppose this is both from from both sides to attract new introducers how do you do that yeah so i think in terms of attracting new introducers one of the things that we've got at the moment is we have a team of business development executives and their right. sort of primary role is to go out to brokers and sort of again shout about the successes of the company so sharing case studies sharing company news about the bridging lenders that we've added onto our panel, speaking to people about the Zoom training sessions that we've got running mm -hmm. to see if they're interested in expanding their knowledge. And in particular, that has been really successful for generating new activity because we found people are like, well, actually, I'm not particularly that educated on second charge mortgages or mm -hmm. bridging. I would really like to find out a bit more about that. So they sign up from the, for the Zoom session and after that, they start to build a relationship with Steve or Paul or the business development executive that they've been speaking to. And then in turn, they've had the opportunity spotting sessions. So they know they, they know how to identify opportunities and that's how they send over business afterwards. So mm -hmm. I think that's the primary way at the moment that we're generating new introducers is just from trying to develop relationships and build value to people through training I think everything else that we do with email marketing and social media and the industry press is just furthering our awareness. Offering our awareness, yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, shouting the message a bit further. So I think I th it's all of it working together. Sorry. 
no, no. I was going to say, I say, I tell you what it does, and I don't know whether it's subconsciously or what, but when you've got a, it seems to be when there's a social media presence and our relationship, and our relationship guys ring up and, and, and speak to, to new introducers, they, they sub, because they, they're aware of us on the basis that they've seen us on LinkedIn and they might have seen that we've been nominated for some awards or we've posted something. I think it makes that interaction a lot easier. It's like they, yeah. they speak to someone they know. And I think that's where we where social media and, and, and LinkedIn really it's it's brand awareness, I suppose, that, that, and actually makes it more personal. If they've seen a photo of me pop on on their on their feeds constantly and they'll think, oh, and Steve's speaking to me, I know him and or whatever it may be. And I think that works works well. I think that's where it it aligns the social media approach to the personal marketing. When they couple together, it can be really strong. Yeah. Huge because what you're doing is you're as you said, you're drip feeding you yourselves into their subconscious and it makes it easier for them to contact you because they feel they know you already. Taking it one step further, and I speak a lot about this, is using something like what I call a brand anchor. And what that is, is something that is completely different from your business, but people can relate to. So dogs are a great one. You upload a photo of a dog and everybody knows what a dog looks like. Everybody loves a dog. So if they do reach out to you to chat about the dog, they've opened a line of communication. So when it does come to talking about business, it's much easier because they feel you've got something familiar. And yep. um, Ash Borland, I don't know if you guys listen to or see any of his stuff online. He hit the nail on the head the other day, and it's exactly what you two said. He put on his social media, um, your social media posts aren't a fishing rod. They're your lighthouse. And it's all, it just hit home with me there that, your, your fishing rod, essentially, Eleanor, are those Zoom your BDMs going out there, promoting the business. That's to try and get them hooked into your business. The social media is a lighthouse just to remind them that you're there and to drip feed your presence into their feeds. Incredible. Absolutely love it. I'll, guys, we're coming up to like 35 minutes now, but I feel like I could chat for ages. <laughs> So let's talk before we actually get into this. Um, we like we like to do, make a ten pound donation to a charity as a thank you for spending time on the podcast. So we'll make a donation for both of you. So Steve, which um, charity would you like to make a donation to? We want to want to take to the Keech Hospice. How's that spelled? Sorry, K E E C H. Keech Hospice. Yeah. And both donations to be made to there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll make that. Okay, so how can you help mortgage brokers then? It goes back to the education. The more what we want to what we want to do is be part not be part of it, an extension to their business. That that's the thing. We we don't want it to be transactional. We want them. We want our brokers to know that they've got they've got a relationship with us. They can rely on us. They can trust us. They can they can make it. We we can help their clients. Um, there's lots of there's lots of ways that we do that and, and we can um we can but I think ultimately it's just yeah work working work in partnership is the is a big thing for us. That that's our awesome key driver. Great. And how can people get in touch with you if they do want to have a chat? So going over to our website, yeah, we've got a intermediary facing website which is called tle.co.uk. So if you're a breaker. You can go onto that website. We've got contact details on there, you know, telephone numbers, email addresses. But we have also got some tools for people who maybe 
don't want to give us a call straight away and maybe they're just trying to research what their client might be eligible for. So we've mm-hmm. got a quick quote tool that they can use. And then we've also got a consumer facing website, which is theloansengine.co.uk. So any customers can come onto that website, use the contact number on there or inquire through our form if they were looking for a loan and they thought it would be a good fit. Perfect. As I said, guys, if you need any help, make sure you reach out to these guys and they'll be able to help. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for a Thank great chat. Guys. I'm sure people have got a lot of um, a lot of value from that. My big takeaway from that is give your audience value and they'll come back in droves. That's the way yeah. it is on social media. Thank you very much for coming on both. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.